Little honeybees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show that is dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, preserve, and prepare our regional foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was graciously sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee. We are so proud of this talented 13-year-old Tennessee performer. Today, we are setting the table with Knoxville Restaurant History. My guest is Paula Johnson, founder of Knoxville Food Tours and author of the book Lost Restaurants of Knoxville. Our friend from Johnson City, Fred Sossman, shares a story from our neighbors in the mountains of western North Carolina in Hayward County who produced the beloved Sunburst Trout. Along with a big list of events that are food and farming related, brought to you by area nonprofit organizations. Thank you so much for tuning in here today. By radio or high-tech podcast listening device, it is just an honor to have your good company. Now let's get started. Let's first visit with Paula Johnson. She is the founder and guide of the Knoxville Food Tours, where she mixes food tasting and Knoxville history. She has written the book, Lost Restaurants of Knoxville, published by Arcadia Press. So let's hear about that right now. Now we are in Knoxville, Tennessee, speaking with Paula Johnson, and good to see you again. Well, it's good to see you again. Well, you do Knoxville food tours, and will you tell us what that's all about? Yes, these are guided food tours of the downtown area. I started in 2010, so I'm in my eighth year now. Wow. And um, I will tell a guided history of the city as we go from restaurant to restaurant and we do samples of food at each stop and get to learn about the food of the area, the restaurants, and also the city at the same time. You do talk a lot about history, don't you? Yes, definitely. When I first started the tours was when the redevelopment of downtown was going on. Mm -hmm. So I became interested in food tours after reading about them in larger cities. And I thought, well, perhaps we could have one here in Knoxville. So at the beginning of the tours, I was just telling a little bit of history to get us from place to place. But people began saying to me, oh, well, I really like the food, but I really like what you told me about the city. 
So that's when every week I would start learning new things to add in to the tours. And I, I host all the tours myself. I have led over 900 tours of the city. Oh my goodness. So I've had many years of experience to develop this and sort of refine these tours. Yeah. I get a lot of feedback from the guests, so I'm able to work it to what I think guests are interested in. Now you're a Tennessee native and tell us where you're from. Yes, that is one of the most common questions I get on the tour. Are you from here? And I grew up in Greenville, Tennessee, Green County. That's very near here. It's only about an hour and a half northeast of Knoxville. And I lived on a farm growing up. We were just talking about this and people will say, oh, well, what did you grow there? And when I was growing up, Tobacco was a big cash crop in East Tennessee and Western North Carolina. And I always say, everybody in Greene County grew up on a tobacco farm. <laughs> but um, we used to come to Knoxville occasionally when I was a child. And then my brother went to school at the University of Tennessee. So we would come up to visit him a lot. I went to school at Carson Newman. So we were always coming up on the weekends for shopping and eating and special events, going to the symphony. So that's really when I became even more familiar with the town. Oh, I see. Now, you have written this book, Lost Restaurants of Knoxville. I'm so excited about this book. It's published by Arcadia Press. And tell me what the genesis for this project was. Well, they focus on history. They have many, many historic books for cities all over the country. And they contacted me just out of the blue and said they were familiar with my tours. And they were looking for someone to write a book about food and dining and restaurants in Knoxville. So, of course, right away I said, yes, I'd love to do it, not knowing how much work was actually going to be involved <laughs> in it. But this is part of a series, The Lost Restaurants Of. So my book is The Lost Restaurants of Knoxville. There's one called The Lost Restaurants of Louisville. And someone on my tour saw this book and said, oh, we have that. We have The Lost Restaurants of Sacramento. They were visiting here from California. So, if people enjoy this book and they visited other cities, they could maybe find one about those cities okay. that they would be interested in as well. Nice. What are some of the restaurants that you write about in this book? Well, this book is meant to be a history of the city as told through its food and dining and restaurants. So, I start from the very beginning with the very first tavern that was ever here in the late 1700s, Chisholm's Tavern. And we go through saloons, we go through the Greek um, restaurants in town, like everyone remembers, of course, Regas, and the Gold Sun, which was located on Market Square for over 70 years. Well, the name changed, Perulis Foods. And let's see. Um, of course, the Orangery is a story that I love. There's just so many great stories. So it works its way through the decades. Oh, the S&W Cafeteria, that's one that people oh, yeah. always mention to me. They want to know, is that in the book? And yes, it is in the book. So it kind of goes through the decades, how 
downtown was so big and then everything started to move west in the 1970s. Um, I've got a section on foods of the world's fair oh. and restaurants in the 80s and then how the old city started making a resurgence and Christopher Kendrick you know was a big developer here in town his story kind of works its way through the entire book we don't so much know him as a restaurateur but more as a developer of buildings but he did have the orangery and he also um, opened up the bistro which is now called the bistro at the Bijou in 1980 in 1988 he redid Patrick Sullivan's saloon and so he really had a great influence on the restaurant scene here in town he had the Lord Lindsay do you remember that yes, one and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast my guest today is Paula Johnson founder and guide of the Knoxville food tours and author of the book Lost Restaurants of Knoxville published by Arcadia Press when we return, Paula will tell us a story from her chapter in the book about the late, great, former slave-turned-successful Knoxville businessman, Cal Johnson. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table podcast is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. Details at centuryharvest.com. Let's return to our visit with Paula Johnson and hear a bit from one of the chapters from her book on the subject of the late, great, former slave-turned-successful Knoxville businessman, Cal Johnson, from her book, Lost Restaurants of Knoxville. There's this chapter about Cal Johnson. Will you give us a little bit of a snippet taste what that chapter is about? Yes. So Cal Johnson has a very important story in the history of this city and an inspiring story. He was born a slave. He worked for the McClung family who were one of the first families here in town. Um, their house in town stood right where the Farragut Hotel is now or the Hyatt Place. And just to show you kind of how the history corresponds to that yesterday I had lunch at the Hyatt place <laughs> so that goes right along with this story but they also had a farm out near Farragut where Farragut is now I didn't know that and so he was sent there to help with the horses and that was his main job was to help with the horses and he developed a love of the horses then well after the war was over he got a job moving bodies to their proper burial places. And so he was very inspiring or a go-getter, you might say, from the very beginning. Um, then later in the story, he kind of 
became an alcoholic and wound up destitute on the streets. Well, he finally realized, you know, his life was not going the way that he wanted it to. So he got straightened up and he actually ran saloons in the downtown area. Um, Part of his success with his saloons was that he would serve black and white patrons both. His saloons were integrated. They didn't serve women, but just men. That was the custom at the time. But I think that was part of his success. And then he developed an interest in racehorses. So he bought and sold racehorses. And he had two horse racing tracks that are here in town. One was what is now Speedway Circle in East Knoxville, and probably a lot of people have driven on that road not knowing that that began as a horse racing track. Um, His other one was in South Knoxville, and that was, I think, where the Sutry Park is now. So he also made a lot of money from this horse racing business. However, 1907 comes along and the prohibition laws hit town. Well, that hurt his business quite a bit because all the saloons in town had to close down. Also, the racetracks were forced to close because they allowed gambling there. So, um, but he didn't let that deter him at all. He just kept right on going. And he had a factory building, which is still standing downtown. That's um, on State Street. And so there was a big to-do in the news, well, pretty recently about it, um, about what would happen to that building. So that was put under the historic zoning and to see what could be done about saving it, how it could be used. But when Cal Johnson died, his estate was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, which in today's terms would be like millions of dollars. He really just went through life and never looked back on anything that might have hindered him. He just went forward and became so successful, and I think it's a great inspirational story for anyone. And you've been listening to an interview with Paula Johnson, founder and guide of Knoxville Food Tours and author of the book Lost Restaurants of Knoxville. To get in touch with Paula, tickets to Knoxville Food Tours, or to find a copy of the book around town or online, more details about that, knoxvillefoodtours.com. Information and links about all of my guests and this podcast can be found at tennesseefarmtable.com. Just look for the link that says listen to the show. And coming up, we've got Fred Saussman in his Potluck Radio series featuring the beloved Sunburst Trout, raised by our neighbors in the mountains of western North Carolina in Hayward County. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. Seventy years ago, the late Dick Jennings left his home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and headed for the mountains of western North Carolina, where he formed the first commercial trout farm in the South. That business still exists as Sunburst Trout Company in Haywood County, run by Dick's daughter, Sally Eason.
he was a renegade of sorts and wanted to get into something involving outdoors. So he started raising rainbow trout. This was in Jackson County in 1965. He relocated here, keeping the place in Jackson County, which was maintained as a rearing facility, which my husband and I ran initially. And he did co-oping here first with other growers, just stocking ponds and that kind of business. And then he went into processing in the late 70s. And we have expanded that end of it ever since, gone into value added. We did smoke trout first. We started doing it in a, the back end of a tractor trailer, and we've now graduated to an, an upscale real life smoker. We did trout dip, which we uh, used the leftover pieces of smoke that didn't look pretty enough to put in a package. And from that, we went into uh, caviar, which has turned into quite a full-time business on the side for us. The water comes from the Shining Rock Wilderness area, which is located in the Pisgah National Forest, which is above our trout farm. It drops directly from there into a man-made lake called Lake Logan, which is a, a privately owned lake. has a huge dam. Water drops off of there at 12,000 gallons a minute into our system. We, the water falls down into a raceway system at the top. There's 20 plus raceways. And of course, every time the water drops off, it's reoxygenating, and that's a good thing for fish. For Potluck Radio in Haywood County, North Carolina, I'm Fred Saussman. This is Rebecca Schwepfinger, the Special Events and PR Coordinator for the City of Harriman, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Here are several activities and events sponsored by area nonprofit groups that are farming, food, or agriculturally related. If you're in your car and you can't scribble this stuff down, I always have these links on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com, under the link that says Listen to the Show. The third annual Cobbler Festival will take place Saturday, July 28th from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. at the David Webb Riverfront Park in Harriman, Tennessee. With cobblers to taste, a cobbler competition, vendors, music, and more. The 26th annual Granger County Tomato Festival will take place July 27, 28, and 29th in Rutledge, Tennessee. The mission of this festival is to promote Granger County agricultural products with a mixture of family-friendly activities, arts, crafts, music, and food. There's no smoking or drinking, and they ask, quote, Visitors and vendors have good southern manners that will make your mammal proud. Nourish Knoxville will hold its second annual Tomato Jam, a drink competition featuring some of Knoxville's best bartenders and East Tennessee's finest tomatoes, also including coffee, brunch bites, live music, and games. The event location is the Mill and Mine in downtown Knoxville on July 29th from 12 noon until 4 p.m. Attendees must be 21 years old. This is a ticketed event. All proceeds go to further the mission of Nourish Knoxville to cultivate healthy communities by supporting relationships between local farmers, producers, and the public. And they've asked me to serve as a celebrity judge on that tomato cocktail portion of this event, so hope to see you there. The 15th annual Wine on the Water event to benefit Cystic Fibrosis Foundation will be held Friday, September 14th from 6.30 until 9.30 at Volunteer Landing in Knoxville, Tennessee. This event features local wineries and restaurants that are helping to further the mission of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. 
The Nourish Knoxville Market Square Farmer's Market is now open and takes place weekly on Wednesdays from 11 to 2 and Saturdays from 9 until 2. These markets run until November. There are four markets operated by East Tennessee Farmers Association of Retail Marketing, and they are open and as follows. Tuesday is the Ebenezer Road Farmers Market from 3 until 6, located where Westland Drive joins Ebenezer in West Knoxville. Wednesday is the Oak Ridge Farmers Market from 3 until 6 at Jackson Square. Friday is the Lakeshore Park Farmers Market from 3 until 6 p.m. Saturday is the Oak Ridge Farmers Market from 8 a.m. until 12 noon at Jackson Square. The Miracle Farmers Market is now open and takes place every Saturday from 9 a.m. until 12 noon at Founders Square in downtown Miraville. The Dixie Lee Farmers Market in Far West Knotts County now open every Saturday from 9 until 12 noon at 12740 Kingston Pike. The East Tennessee Chapter of National Young Farmers Coalition is a networking and advocacy group for new and beginning farmers. This group hosts four to six events per year, such as potlucks, farm tours, and film screenings, and a great way to meet other local growers. Second Harvest Food Bank is in need of volunteers to help pick produce at Century Harvest Farms in Greenback, Tennessee. Century Harvest Farm Foundation and Second Harvest Food Bank have partnered together and this produce will then be donated and distributed to Second Harvest Food Bank partner organizations that serve 18 counties in our East Tennessee area. To volunteer or for more information by email greg at secondharvest.com tn.org. The Sevierville Commons Farmer's Market is now open on Fridays from 9 a.m. until 1.30. The Morgan County Farmer's Market will be open on Saturdays this year from 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. or sellout. The location of this market is Wartburg, Tennessee, and I think it's the old courthouse. And there is a brand new East Side Sunday Farmer's Market in East Knoxville every Sunday until August 23rd from 2 p.m. until 5 p.m. at the Tabernacle Baptist Church at 2137 Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue. The Harriman Farmers Market will open Saturday at 8 a.m. at the David Webb Riverfront Park in Harriman, Tennessee. And again, links and phone numbers to all this that I just read can always be found in one big list at TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says listen to the show. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today at the Tennessee Farm Table. We hope that you can join us again right back here next week at 9 or online at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. More information about Emmy Sunshine at theemmysunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you pure community broadcasting just like this show. They are our media partner, and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDVX.com. We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast. 
on your smartphone, tablet, or computer, or on iTunes. Or just search for Tennessee Farm Table. A big list of all of our shows will appear. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.